Our opening scripture reading for today will be found in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, 25, and 26. Daniel 6, 25, and 26. Then King Darius wrote to those of every nation and language who lived on the earth. May your prosperity abound. I issue a decree that all my royal dominion, people must tremble in the fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever, and his kingdom will never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. Thank you, Brother Bill. Good morning, church. It's great to see each and every one of you here today. Uh, Be turning your Bibles, if you will, to the book of John. I'll meet you there in just a little bit. I have several that have uh, come in, uh, things that uh, we want to pray about uh, and that have just come in just this morning. Um, One, uh, Miss Wilma White um, uh, fell last night and is in the ER uh, she's in the hospital with a bad UTI and infection, and so we want to remember her. Uh, also, uh, Sue Brumley, uh, this is the uh, mother of Suzanne Russell. Uh, she fell earlier this morning, no broken bones, but is bruised, and this is the second fall for her in two weeks. Uh, also, it was brought to my attention that uh, in our community, we lost a family last night. Uh, in a house fire, uh, the Franks family. So we want to remember uh, remember these uh, on our prayer list. Let us briefly pause and go to our Heavenly Father on behalf of these individuals. Holy Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together today. Father, we have several that have been brought to our attention who have fallen. Ms. Wilma White, Sue Brumley. And Father, we ask that you will be with them and that you will bless them and their recovery and the things that they are dealing with and their, uh, the health conditions that they're going through. Father, we also pray for those of the Frank family in their loss last night. We pray that you will be with those family members who are suffering this great loss and that you will be with them and comfort them. Father, we also are mindful of all of those uh, on our prayer list that have dealt with hospital stays recently. Uh, we're thankful that Melanie's able to be back with us today. We pray that you'll continue to bless her. Uh, we pray that you'll continue to be with uh, Miss Kathy Rains, uh, Father, in her health conditions. We pray that you'll continue to be with uh, Sister Martha Booker and her health issues, and Father Heather Robinson as she recovers from her accident, and Father, so many others. Father, we are thankful for this church. We're thankful for this community. Father, we're thankful for your holy word. We're thankful for the opportunity to be a part of this great nation. But most of all, Father, today we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's his, in His name we pray. Amen. As most of you know, today we would be enjoying Evangelism University. Uh, there would have been hundreds of young people coming to be a part of that. Uh, but we are indeed thankful that you are here with us today. If you're visiting with us, thank you for coming our way. We want, If you're looking for a church home, don't look any further. We're not perfect, but we're trying to be God's people. We are-
Imperfect people trying to serve a perfect God and share His love with each other and with our community. Uh, We also have uh, three uh, ladies from uh, Ohio, the church that we worked with, that our young people went and worked with uh, this summer. And uh, someone said, you know, they're from the north and they came anyway because this kind of weather doesn't bother them. And so we're thankful that they're here. If you ladies would raise your hand, uh, I want you to get to know them and meet them this morning, if you will. I want to remind you also of uh, our ch- our online church directory that Miss Debbie has worked hard and several of us have worked hard uh, putting that together. Uh, and it, some of you have downloaded that and we thank you for that. We want to encourage others to do that. Uh, also, there are uh, salmon or pink sheets uh, with instructions. But there's also some different things that you need to do. So if you have questions about that, uh, please see Miss Debbie uh, out front in the lobby today. Uh, I want to thank Brother Howard and Dustin for filling in for me last week. I was uh, sick, did not have the flu, but had uh, sinus infection and stuff, and uh, I wouldn't have been able to talk even if I was here. But I was able to listen in on Facebook Live, along with Brother Herb, uh, Miss Katie Rogers, and some others that were ill. And so I'm thankful for those who are uh, working to put our services on Facebook Live uh, each and every Sunday morning. So if you're ever ill or under the weather uh, and need to use that, you can log on to our church Facebook page and you can watch us live as that unfolds. So thank you uh, for those of you that are joining us live this morning, but thank you also for being here. I want us to, this year, I want us to work through the book of John. And so I want to encourage you to be reading through that book. But I want us to talk about kingdom living. I want us to think about uh, the kingdom and making that important in our life. I want us to think about the king of the kingdom, and that's what we'll begin looking at this morning, and how we might pattern our life and make him important in our lives. Would any of us, any among us, imagine living without a computer in our lives? I mean, computers are everywhere, right? Uh, We have them at home. We have them in our workplaces. Uh, Maybe at your home, you might have a desktop, a laptop or two. Uh, We even have tablets. We even have those little handheld computers we call smartphones that we can do so many things on, but we also use them as phones. They're everywhere. They're in the bank. They're in the grocery store. They're everywhere. And in fact, we receive a lot of pleasure from the things that we're able to uh, do with social media and games and other things uh, on computers and smartphones. We get angry at them, don't we? But we need them. You know, this is nothing recent. Three short generations ago, the chairman of IBM declared there's only a need or a market for five computers in the world. As recent as 1977, the president of digital equipment... He claimed that there is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. And yet, many of us do. Many of us have computers in our pockets or our hands right now. And this revolution is due in large part to a man by the name of Steve Jobs, who was the inventor 
of Apple computers. Steve, at the age of 21, along with his friend Steve Wozniak, they invented the Apple computer. You see, up until that time, computers were huge monstrous machines, often in another room, that would take up the whole room. And yet, Jobs and Wozniak, they were able to reduce all of that into a little, small box that could sit on a desk. They offered their invention to Atari. But Atari turned them down. They offered their invention to Hewlett-Packard. And Hewlett-Packard turned them down. It seemed that Jobs and Wozniak were the only ones who saw the potential in this desktop computer. So Jobs sold his Volkswagen. Wozniak sold his calculator. And with $1,300, they formed Apple Computers. And the rest is history. But it didn't take Jobs long to realize that if he wanted his vision to come to fruition, he needed some marketing expertise. So he turned to John Scully, then president of the Pepsi Company. Of course, why would Scully, in a position like he was in, making the kind of money he was making, want to join forces with two computer geeks in a market that was low to nothing? And so he declined. But Jobs didn't take no for an answer. He approached him again and again. Scully said no. And in a last-ditch effort, he passionately shared his visionary ideas with Scully, and he asked him this question. Do you want to sell sugared water for the rest of your life? Or do you want a chance to change the world. Do you want to sell sugared water for the rest of your life or do you want a chance to change the world? Scully accepted. And Jobs and Scully indeed changed the world. You know, Jesus asked a similar question. Do you want to sell sugared water for the rest of your life or do you want a chance to change the world? You see, most people, they spend their lives selling sugared water. Going to work to accumulate more possessions. And hopefully, maybe, in their spare time, have room for God and the world. You see, Jesus had a vision that could change the world. His vision was the kingdom of God. Of God. And He calls us to place the kingdom of God at the very center of our, li- of our lives. He calls us to make that the very reason for our existence. And so, turning your Bibles, if you will, to the book of John, chapter 1. And as we begin thinking about kingdom living, today we want to look at the king of the kingdom. In John chapter 1, I want you to notice the first five verses there. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. You see, when you begin... When most people begin looking at the life of Jesus, they begin with His birth, don't they? Uh, But John didn't want to start there. Uh, John and the Spirit wanted to remind His readers and us today that Jesus was in the beginning. He called Him the Word. The word that He uses there is the Greek word logos. And that word, that word means the The expression of God. You remember back in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. The Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. The us there is God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Word, who would later become Jesus Christ. Do you remember When the angel approached Mary and foretold her, told her about uh, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You remember what he said? He said, you shall call him named Jesus. And that's where the Word was given the name Jesus, the Son of God. And so John uses the word logo, the Greek word logos, to describe this particular personality of the Godhead. And as I've already mentioned, that word means the expression of God. It also embodies the, uh, the con- conception or an idea. And I like the way Baker put it. He says, Christ is the Word of God in that He expresses or reflects the mind of God. Also, He reveals God to man. So the Word and Jesus is God's the express the divine expression of God to the world. For example, in John chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says, No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, listen to this. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. That's the Word. That's Jesus Christ. That's the King. David Roper in his commentary says this way, Jesus by His teaching and by His person explained God. He told Philip, John 14 and verse 9, He who has seen me has seen the Father. So the Word, Jesus Christ, is the exact divine expression of God the Father. Jesus, the Word, came to this earth. He lived and He walked. And He understands what it's like to be human. The Bible says He was with God. Some versions say He was face to face with God, indicating that He was enjoying the the highest fellowship with the Father. Now why is all that important? John says in verses 4 and 5, because He is the life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
all through the Old Testament, the life was manifested to God's creation. Do you remember back in the creation when God created all things and created man? Uh, Chapter 2 and verse 7 of Genesis, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. In Psalm chapter 16 and verse 11, you, shall, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And on and on and on, all through the Old Testament, the life from God was manifested to His creation. But also in the New Testament, we find that that, light was manif- that life was manifest to God's creation as the light. One person said this, When life is manifested, it is called light. For it is characteristic of light to shine forth. Since the fall, that light was proclaimed to men. Mankind then was characterized by darkness, evil, and hatred, which are anonyms of light. John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus would say, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You know, we don't have to look far to realize that we live in a dark world. We don't have to look far uh, to see the darkness of the very world that we live in. And John tells us, That the light from God shone in the darkness. But the darkness, some versions says, did not overcome it. Other versions say, the darkness did not appropriate it. In other words, the darkness of the world did not accept the light of God. Did not accept the divine expression of God to man in the form of the Word that became Jesus Christ. Christ. This darkness is the opposite of light. In fact, someone once said that darkness is the antagonist of the light, Jesus Christ. Baker described it this way, notice it. It is evident that this darkness does not merely behave negatively. It's not just about a world that behaves negatively. He goes on and he says, on the contrary, it hates the light. That's the world of darkness. It hates the light. It refers to the world of mankind viewed as a hostile power which actively resists the light and refuses to accept it. Do you realize, do we realize that not everyone in the world will accept the light? God has already told us that. John 1, verse 5. The light shone in the world. And the darkness did not overcome it or did not appropriate it. But I don't mean we stop sharing the gospel. That doesn't mean we stop sharing the love because guess what? It never stopped God. And it shouldn't stop us. But let us not be surprised when those of the world reject it and hate it. And maybe even hate us in the process. So we ask the question, why is all of this important? John 1 and verse 14. 
And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Literally, the Word pitched a tent or fixed one's tabernacle. Other meanings are to occupy or reside. And that's what the Word did for mankind. Jesus, the Word, made His dwelling among us. He lived on this earth. He walked in this life to show mankind the divine expression of Almighty God, who God really is. That's Jesus in the flesh. That's grace. Extended to mankind. Extended to us, though we did not deserve it. And as a result of this personality of the Godhead, coming in the form of man, walking and living on this earth, guess what? Jesus knows what it's like to be human. Young people, guess what? Jesus knows what it's like to be young. Luke chapter 2. He knows what it's like to deal with family issues. He knows later, we find out, He knows what it's like to deal with siblings. Hello, young people. He knows what it's like to deal with parents. Amen? But the Bible tells us there in Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 2, that though he knew he should be about his father's business, he went down with his parents to Nazareth and was subject to them. He obeyed them. He respected them. Because he knows what it's like to be human and to be young. He also knows what it's like to be tempted. Matthew chapter 4, the great temptation of Jesus when Satan comes to him and tempts him in all ways, just like we are, in those three ways. And yet, how did Jesus overcome that? Not through some miraculous way, but He would say all three times, for it is written, for it is written, for it is written. Jesus understands what it's like to be tempted, and He's shown us the way out. Jesus also understands what it's like to be rejected and left alone. You remember in John chapter 6, Verses 60 and following, how many of his followers, they turned away from him. They left him alone. What about in Luke chapter 22? uh, When Jesus is betrayed by one of his own, Judas Iscariot, and later by one of his closest apostles, he is denied three times that he even knew him. Jesus knows what it's like. To be rejected and to be alone. And Jesus also knows what it's like to go through physical pain and suffering. Mark chapter 14 and verse, uh, chapter 14 and chapter 15. Jesus is beaten, scourged, made fun of, mocked, and led to the cross to die. You ever think there's someone that don't understand what you're going through? There he is. John calls him the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word 
the light, the divine expression of God. Knows what life is like on this earth. And then John gets to what really makes all this important. Notice in John chapter 1 and verse 29. John the baptizer, as he's baptizing people with water. As he's declaring, repent, make way of the Lord. The Bible says in John 1 and verse 29. When John saw him, he said, Behold, look, take notice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Despite it being a dark world, despite that darkness despising Him, God sent His divine expression into the world to take away the sin of the world. That's the grace of God extended to mankind. We didn't deserve it, but God sent Him anyway. We didn't deserve it, but God sent Him anyway so that we might have forgiveness of sins. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 is probably the, the most classical passage in Scripture as it deals with Jesus, the incarnation of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5, Paul writes, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted Him, and given Him the name which is above every name, and that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You see, the idea of a sacrificial lamb was one that the Jews would be familiar with. In fact, all through their history, God had revealed to them that sin and the separation of God could only be dealt with by a sacrificial lamb, Leviticus chapter 17. God had revealed to them that the only way that this sin could be dealt with was by the sacrificial blood of a lamb. MacArthur would go on and write in his commentary, No forgiveness of sin could be granted by God apart from an acceptable substitute dying as a sacrifice. Men were and are sinful and are incapable of changing that. Men are incapable of, we sing the song, of paying a debt that we couldn't pay. And that's why God sent the Word, the express, divine expression of God, Jesus Christ, to go to that cross to be our sacrificial 
Lamb. Notice the way Roper says it in his commentary. John did not introduce Jesus as a military conqueror who will defeat our enemies, but as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came to teach a better way of life. He came to give us an example of how we should live, but first and foremost, He came to die for our sins. Why is all that important? Because at the end of the day, we all have to answer the question that the apostles had to answer. We have to deal with it. At the end of the day, we have to answer the same question Pilate had to answer. That Felix and Festus had the answer. That the Samaritan woman at the well had the answer. That the woman caught in the very act of adultery had to answer. That people all through the history of Scripture and of time had to answer. It's the same question that you and I have to answer today. What will I do with the divine expression of God, the Word? Today, what will I do with the King of the Kingdom, Jesus Christ? One day we will stand before God. And we have to answer that question. What did you do with Jesus? As we go out into the world, we are living out exactly our answer to that question. This is what I'm doing with Jesus. And people that we come in contact with are forced to answer the same question. What will you do with Jesus? Today, we declare like every day that Jesus is God's Son. He came as the Word and He put on flesh. And they called Him Jesus. He went to the cross to be our sacrificial Lamb. The same Lamb that John declared. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Today, have you accepted that Lamb? Have you accepted the fact that He died for you and there's no way outside of accepting Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, that our sins can be forgiven? In the New Testament, we have the example of people making that declaration. And they're... Buried in the watery grave of baptism to rise in newness of life, knowing that now, because of their surrender to Jesus Christ, they have forgiveness of sins. You see, they answered that question. Maybe you're here tonight and you've not today and you've not answered that question. It's our prayer that you will. Maybe you're here today and you know someone in your life that needs to answer that question. And you want to bring them before your church family. 
to pray about that situation, to pray for your opportunity to share the love of God with them. We can do that. Maybe you're here today and you're carrying some awful, heavy burdens. You know as well as I do of the brevity of life. For we've seen that over the last year. Another example from yesterday. That causes great pain. Jesus knows what it's like. Maybe you're carrying some burden of sin. Even though you surrendered to Jesus at one time. And you realize the loneliness. You realize the mounted temptation that Satan keeps bringing before you. Jesus understands that temptation. And Jesus wants you to turn that over to Him. The King of the Kingdom. What will you do with Jesus? As together we stand and sing.